candle here. The, the candles of our Advent wreath that have been working through us with this series all of the ways that we commemorate at this time of Advent that God is our hope, that he is our love, and today that God is our peace. So as we do that today, I'm going to be beginning by reading a few words that come from Luke chapter 2. And I'll do that in a way that then makes a connection to the Old Testament. So if you're watching the video following along, the, the words will be on the box that's there that you can see. Or if you're following along, this is from Luke chapter 2. But a little bit later in the message, I'm going to be making a reference also to Micah chapter 5. So have a thumb in that one ready to go. I'm going to begin with Luke chapter 2, and then we will proceed to Micah 5 in a little bit. Luke chapter 2, first of all, where we read this familiar story about the angels coming to shepherds. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left and have left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. That's as far as I'll read this morning from Luke chapter 2. Considering today how we make room in our hearts for peace and what that looks like in our lives. Peace is one of those words that comes to us in in the Bible that we translate in many different ways. In fact, it's the Old Testament word shalom. Shalom, as we read it in the Hebrew language, is what often translates into our Bibles as peace. And I talk about this shalom frequently because it is a recurring theme in the Bible as it comes up to us. And we think about peace in different ways than maybe shalom helps us to grasp or acknowledge. Because for us, when we think of peace, we often think of peace as being, well, it's, it's the absence of conflict. It is the absence of hostility. We, we don't really then think about what peace is, but really what we are defining is, is what peace is not. It's not violence. It's not hostility. It's not stress or anxiety that grips us. It's the absence of those things. So when we think about what it means to be peaceful, to have a feeling of peace, what we're thinking about is what is not there, what is absent. But shalom, the Hebrew word for peace, is more than just the absence of hostility, the absence of violence. Shalom has an active meaning as well of what is there. I like what Nicholas Walterstorff has to say about this. Walterstorff, a scholar who defines shalom as flourishing. 
Flourishing then. And here's how you would, if you looked up flourishing in a dictionary, it would say this. Flourishing is, to flourish is to grow or develop in a healthy or vigorous way, especially as a result of a particularly favorable environment. That is what the Bible means by shalom, peace. For God's world to develop in a healthy and vigorous way as a result of a favorable environment of God's presence. Walter Storff, as he writes about this, goes on to say, when humans are forced to live in sheer ugliness, that's not flourishing. So we see examples even in our own world, even in our own world of how this peace, this shalom flourishing of God which he brought to the world, which was present in the world as he created it, has been broken, has been smashed apart, has turned into what sin and brokenness has brought into our world as, as Wolterstorff says, ugliness, an absence of that flourishing. Now then, into that world comes a message. These angels come and they find these shepherds and they give them a message where they say, Shalom, the Savior, the Messiah, the one you've been waiting for is here. And Shalom, peace comes to the earth. In that world. Uh, In a world in which they were under the oppressive rule by a foreign power, the, the Roman Empire. Let's remember that in this story... Mary and Joseph make their way to Bethlehem because they are forced to. Because the Roman Empire has said, we need to make sure we're getting all the taxes out of you that we can. In order for us to know that, we need to make sure we know how many people there are. So everybody needs to go back to their hometown, where they are from, from their family, their clan, their tribe, so that we can get account, so that we can get as much money out of you as we can. That's the world into which Mary and Joseph were at this time. Traveling to Bethlehem because they had to be counted by the empire so that they could be taxed. That's the world that these shepherds were living in outside of Bethlehem when the angel comes. It was a world of ugliness. Mary and Joseph are living in a world of ugliness. And into that, these angels come and they say, but the Savior is here. And he brings shalom, peace, flourishing. How does that work? How does that message come into their lives in a way where they would look around and say, um, so where is it? Where is this flourishing? I don't quite see that. But that's not how the shepherds respond. They immediately respond in a different way. This is where maybe we can make a connection because all of this in this passage from Luke where it talks about shepherds and peace and the Messiah coming, all of that has a connection that for those who knew their Old Testament scripture would have brought them to Micah chapter 5 because those same themes of shepherding and peace come up there as well. So from Micah chapter 5, I'm going to share just a few verses that come 
starting with Micah chapter 5, verse 2, where it says this, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the end, when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand as a shepherd of his flock, in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And he will be our peace when the Assyrians invade our land and march through our fortresses. So as we read in Luke this story of how you go from shepherds in Bethlehem and an announcement of peace, there brings to mind, oh yeah, this passage in the Old Testament that also talked about Bethlehem and shepherd and peace in a way that draws that forward. Let's consider how these things might be connected in a way that might help us understand a little bit about how this peace, this shalom flourishing of God makes its way into our world, a world of broken ugliness through the Messiah. Because if you're paying attention to the way that Micah writes this prophecy, he declares in verse 5 of Micah 5 that, that he will be our peace when the Assyrians march through and take our fortresses. Not after that, not at a different time, but in the middle of it, even in a world that is broken and messed up and ugly, even in that world, the peace, the shalom flourishing of God comes to his people. What does that look like? How does that work? You know, maybe there's another word that that we can put into this that helps us understand that. So I'm going to give you a little bit more Hebrew today that helps us understand something of how this connects. And it has to do with the word ra'ah. So what we read about here in, in Micah chapter 5 uses the word ra'ah in Hebrew, which, which has a couple of different meanings. First of all, ra'ah, it means shepherding or tending. It's grazing, as in the, the, the sheep on the pasture would graze there. So when Micah gives that image, that picture of the shepherd, who sh- the, the God who comes and shepherds his people. He uses that word ra'ah to shepherd or tend his people. But besides that, ra'ah can also mean to crush or to devastate or to annihilate. Two very different meanings. You know, we have this in English as well, homophones, One word that can have different meanings, and usually it's the context of the sentence that helps you know which meaning of the word takes place there. Well, in Micah 5, ra'ah comes up a number of times, meaning both of those things based on the context. In fact, if you are looking in your own Bible at Micah chapter 5, and you see that there's a footnote in verse 5 of that passage, which says that ruling there is that word ra'ah, which also means crush or crushing. 
So it shows up a few different times in this verse. So what am I getting at here? Where am I going with this whole idea of ra'ah, this Hebrew word that means both shepherding, tending, but also means crushing, devastating. Here's what Micah is after. He's pointing out for us the ways in which our own attempts at greatness tend to show up as ra'ah, crushing other people. Think about the ways that happens. If you're going to be the best athlete out there, it means that you will, what? Crush the competition, right? If you're going to have the most successful business and company out of all of them, it means that you will, ra'ah, annihilate the competition, Anything that we do that is our own striving towards greatness tends to result in ra'ah, crushing, devastating, annihilating. Because the way that we embrace greatness means crushing everyone else beneath us. But, Micah says, there is another kind of greatness. The Messiah's greatness comes also as ra'ah, but shepherding. The Messiah's greatness shows up as a shepherd who tends his people, who cares for his people, who gathers his flock. So you see into this world of ugliness, this world that is broken by sin, a world in which you and I strive for greatness on our own and our striving towards greatness so often tend to lead towards the ra'ah, crushing of other people. But into that world, a new and different kind of greatness, a different kind of ra'ah, arrives. A shepherd. A shepherd who shows up for his people. The shalom of God comes by a Messiah who shepherds the nations when so often we see that our own efforts result in just crushing of nations. All of this then comes to mind through Micah. Fast forward then back to Luke. Back to Luke chapter 2 where these shepherds receive this message and they hear from that, this message that comes to them about a Messiah who comes with peace. And they make room in their heart for that peace. Why? Because what's their immediate reaction? Let's go. Let's go see this thing that we've been told about. It started with a simple response, a response that says, let's go and see this thing. It wasn't, let's wait until morning, or let's see if we can verify it some other way, but now, let's go, because Luke tells us, and they hurried off. They followed the sign that was given to them, right? The sign that came to them that shows them the way in which they can follow and find the Christ, to find the baby. They made room in their hearts for peace. Because after that, they go from that place and they go back to the world that they knew before, but they go with praising and rejoicing and they're celebrating and they're sharing and they're telling everyone else about what they have seen and heard. Something is different. Something about that has changed them. 
But they do all of this, catch this now, going back to the life they had. I'm sure they went back to their hills to watch their sheep. They went back into a world in which, you know what? The Roman Empire was still there oppressing the people. They went back into a world that was still broken and messy and ugly. But they went back different. Praising, rejoicing, sharing. Something had changed in them, even though the world around them appeared to be pretty much just as broken as it was before. What was the difference? They made room in their hearts for peace. So the question today, how do we do that, right? How do you and I live as people who make room in our hearts for peace? How do we do that? Maybe I'll frame the question this way, in a way that follows some of those Hebrew words. How do I get rid of ra'ah to make room for ra'ah? Remembering those two different ways that we define that word. How do I get rid of those things in my heart that that only seem to drive me towards crushing, devastating, annihilating? How do I get that out so that I can make room for the ways that God shepherds, tends, leads his people? Because maybe that's the step we need to take today, that If I'm looking for a space for peace to come into my heart and I'm thinking, I just don't know where to find it. I don't know how to see it. Maybe it begins by making some room. I need to declutter from my own heart all of those things that I've been filling into my life that are just about crushing and devastating and annihilating, pushing that out so that there is room, there's space for the shepherding, tender, loving care of Jesus to come in with his peace, his shalom, his flourishing. So today, today then, let's just do this as a step. Pick one thing. Pick one source of crushing devastation that you can remove from your heart this week. Whatever that may be. Something that is a part of your habit or your routine that, you know what, it just seems to be that when this happens, my fists are clenched, my jaw is clenched, and I just feel anxiety and stress and anger and crushing. How can I remove at least one thing from my life that seems to bring that into my heart, into my soul? Whatever that may be whether it's a certain website that I need to say, you know what, I just need to get that out, or a cable news channel, or a talk radio show, or whatever one of those things are where, you know what, it comes around as a part of your life, and it seems like whenever it does, I just feel tense, crushing, annihilating. Can I pick one thing from my life this week to say, I'm going to push that aside to make some room so that I can then add add one source of tender shepherding to fill my heart this week, to replace that ra'ah crushing with some source of ra'ah shepherding so that there is room in my heart 
for the peace of God to come in and to fill and to take its place. What can you find like that in this week to make room in your heart for seeing glimpses of the shalom flourishing which Jesus brings into a broken and messed up world? How do we do that? You know, in that story in Luke 2, God revealed a sign. The the angels gave a sign to the shepherd. Go and find the baby. Here's how you'll know. You will see the manger. You will see the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in the manger. Okay, we're not shepherds living in first century Bethlehem. But God has given us a sign as well. God has told us how we can see his Messiah, his Savior. Because God has revealed to us who that is in his word. Just like the angels revealed to the shepherds, here's how you will go find the Messiah. God has also revealed to us through his word, this is how you will find the Messiah. Through his word. Through the word that he has given to us. So as you make room in your heart this week for the peace, the shalom of God to enter, do so by seeing God in his word, spending time in his word, recognizing that it is in the word of God that he gives us the testimony of his salvation to us. In Jesus, then, we are called to participate in God's shalom for his glory because he is our great shepherd. In Jesus, we can once again make room in our hearts to flourish This week, let Jesus, the great shepherd, fill your life with peace by filling your heart with the word of God. That is the peace of Christmas. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this message of peace that you bring, a message that reminds us once again that you have come into this world so that we may flourish under your tender, loving, shepherding care. Help us to see glimpses of of that this week in ways that help us to respond like the shepherds in praise, in adoration, by sharing with others, and by being changed people, even in the world that we live in. We thank you for that, and we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. going to move to a time of communion.